Don't get it on yourself, but if you do, hey, that's all right. I'm going to read you a scripture this morning. It's Philippians 2.6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is our God. This is Jesus. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen this morning? Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. This end is an inevitable thing. You've set it in stone, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We're going to sing a new song, Christ Divine. Are you ready? Come on. Let's praise our God. Before, before I ever knew it, your love was rolling like an echo. Your love was fighting my battle. Before the world was realized, your spirit sung over the waters, the chorus of redemption, Christ divine, Christ divine. Before all time, you took the guilt, this weight of mine. Thank you, Lord. Christ divine. Before all time, you took the guilt, the sweet of mine. We're gonna sing, bring a light to the eyes. Bring a light to the eyes. For all the mankind, do we sing? This end is inevitable. Come on, every heart sing. Holy, overcoming in the dark. Cause he can't keep us apart. We will sing. It's not that hard, is it? It's not, it's not that hard. It's pretty easy. 
Christ divine, bringing light to the eyes, to all of mankind. This morning we are declaring the victory of Jesus Christ. Come on. Let's put our praise on our lips. Let's get some noise coming out. Hey, even if you can't sing it, or you don't know the words yet, or you're not sure, just go, ah! All right? You got some of that? Oh, that wasn't scary. All right. Okay. To bring light to the eyes For all the mankind To each This said is a miracle Every heart is holy Overcoming the dark This is that keeps us apart We will see This said is a miracle Every heart is holy You called us into being your present in my way Who gives life unending No one else but Jesus You called us into being Your present in my way Who gives life unending No one else but Jesus You called us into Bring a light to the eyes To all the 
give a shout of praise. Praise you, Lord. Let endless praise resound. Praise you, Lord God. We praise your name, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Good morning. How are you? Hello. You doing well? I love that. I love the fact that when we praise Jesus, it costs us something, doesn't it? Worship feels nice. Feels all warm and gooey. Like that new insurance ad on on TV where they pour the chocolate sauce over the muffin or something. I don't know what it's got to do with insurance. Makes you feel warm and nice inside. That's worship. Praise costs us something. It's good, isn't it? You've got to put some effort in. So you're doing okay? Fantastic. Why don't you turn around and say hello to half a dozen people. Introduce yourself. Tell them they're looking great. Say they made a wise decision coming to church this morning. great to see you. We're in for a great morning together today. And so thank you for coming out. Did anyone get up early this morning and watch the Kiwis? A few. Great start, eh? Great start. And uh, I like that when the odds are stacked against you. Make a good start. Very good. Well, let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can come into your presence together and we can celebrate. I thank you that you've got a plan and a purpose for us as individuals, for us as a church, for our nation, for our city. And that's a good plan. And Lord, it's our privilege to, uh, and and it's our honour to walk with you, to um, be in relationship with you. To be able to call you Father is quite an amazing thing. And so Lord, as we gather together today, I ask that by your Spirit, you would release revelation for each person that there would be a recognition, Holy Spirit, that you are here and active amongst us today. And that the outcomes of today would be extension, expansion in your kingdom. That us coming together today would be good for your city tomorrow. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, welcome. Great to have you here. If you're visiting with us today, wonderful to have you uh, with us as well. And uh, can I encourage you, if you're visiting with us, there's at the, the back of the auditorium, there's a table with white bags on it. There'll be someone there as well. Help yourself, please, to a white bag. It's got information about who we are, where we're going, and um, if we can help you in your journey in any way, uh, leave some information there with your name, etc. and uh, we'll do that, our best to do that. That would be wonderful. It's great. Who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary in the last week? A few birthdays, come on. They're all coming. Happy birthdays. Whoa. Happy birthday. Wedding anniversary? Yeah, how many years? 13. Come on, that's worth a hand. 13. Right, church, would you like to stand? We are going to declare God's blessing over all of these wonderful people for the next year. Here we go. Ready? Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year 
Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How about giving them a massive big hand? Congratulations. Right, just a couple of things to... Actually, kids, I think you can go. Thank you. Thank you, leaders. Have a wonderful morning. Today is the last day to register for School of the Spirit. This is for you. And uh, we've still got a few spaces left, so get your registrations in today. The the forms are in the um, foyer. You can register at the hub. You can register online. But please, uh, people I've talked to that have been part of the School of the Spirit really mark it down as a life-changing weekend for them. So I encourage you to to be, be part of it, engage with what God's doing. And um, it will be very, very good for you and would love you to be there. On the 2nd of July, which is a few weeks out, all day we're wanting to have baptisms in all of our gatherings. So if you have not been baptised, you need to be baptised. If you're a follower of Jesus, biblically, people gave their lives to Jesus and then they got baptised. They didn't wait a long time. I don't know if you've worked it out by now, but I'll you're not going to be perfect, ever. Sorry. So if you're waiting to be perfect, you'll be waiting a long time before you get baptised. Get baptised if you haven't been. Now overseas, in many countries, particularly where there's persecution, etc., you're not even classed as a disciple of Christ until you've been baptised. You make a decision to follow him, that's number one, but then baptism is the real that's where the rubber hits the road. And I want to encourage you, if you consider yourself a disciple of Christ and you haven't been baptised of your own free will, you need to do it. And uh, July the 2nd will be a great opportunity for that. Just see a leader or give your name at the hub afterwards. Someone will be in contact with you. One other thing I'd just like to ask very quickly is when you walk in here on a Sunday, it looks like you know everything just happens, eh? Yeah? You can answer me. I'm not going to volunteer you for anything. Answer me. Well, I might volunteer you for something. Um, it, it just, everything happens. So it doesn't look like there's gaps. We've got lots and lots of gaps at the moment in, with the music team, um, in sound, on the computers, the visuals and the lights. There's lots of space there. And if that's a bit of a passion for you or you'd like to learn how to do it, um, two good people, Caleb right here, would be one person to see. Luke would be another person to see. And where are you, Rob? Rob, stand up just quickly. Rob would be the other person. Yeah, Rob. Okay. So we'd love you to get involved. And um, we have this little problem with with our uh, lighting desk, is that we get these incredible young people who show interest in it, and they get all trained up, and then before you know it, bang, the industry snaps them up, and they're gone. And uh, they're all around the world doing lighting and stuff, which is a great problem, eh? Why not learn your trade in church on a Sunday morning? It's awesome. But um, it means that we need new people all the time to, to be involved in those kind of things. So if that's you, we would love you to get involved. Don't think just because it happens, there's no room for you. There is plenty of space for you. Is that good? Actually, why don't you look to the person beside you and say, there is plenty of room for me. Very good. Very good. 
Okay, wouldn't you please give John a big hand? He's going to lead us around communion this morning. Thank you, John. Morning, everybody. If you could start handing out the emblems. I want to start this morning with, um, I know we all know Jesus. Um, We know that um, Jesus came to this earth and he walked on this earth. Uh, He was born as a child um, and he grew up and he came into ministry. He did great miracles. He did great things with his hair and he died on the cross and he bridged that gap between us and God and he also gave us the Holy Spirit. So we all know the stories in the Bible. We know it very well. But do we know who he is? Just think about your neighbours that you live next door to. You may see them every day. Go down to the letterbox, pick up, pick up the mail, mowing the lawns. Um, they might be in the garden. Um, but just because you see them every day doesn't mean that you know them. Have you ever stood over the fence and had to talk to them and ask them to say, the weeds are growing great in the garden? Just general knowledge and start talking about family and and things like that. So that's how you get to know your neighbour. Just because you see them every day doesn't mean that you get to know them. Now we've just been Sheridan's was talking this morning about the America's Cup. I just want you to think about a boat on the water. If you've got to have wind for a boat to work, you've got to have a boat, and you've also got to have a captain. If the captain's not very good, is the boat going to, it's got the wind, but without a captain to set the sail and catch the wind, the boat's not going to go that well. So what we need is we need a good good strong boat, a good captain and a good wind. All those three things work together to make the boat work well. So I just want you to look at it this way. That the boat and the sails are us. The captain is Jesus and the wind that catches the sails is the Holy Spirit. Again, all three things work together as one and makes, makes the unit work a lot better. So in Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then he will, then you will experience God's peace, which extends anything you can understand. His peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. God is our Heavenly Father. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God and know we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and He is eternal life. How do we know Jesus? When a person truly knows Jesus, it is on the basis of a relationship 
and you spend time together and talk regularly and then you know Jesus and also know God and the Holy Spirit. So talk to God with an, op- with, with an open heart. We are God's people and the church. This building is just a building. The church is the people. It's all you and I. If we haven't got fellowship with God, we can't move as one as a church. So we need to get close to God. We can do great things. Jesus said we are fishermen of men and are the shine. We, let our, we are to let our light shine to the world. So we can do this as one in Christ so as you take communion this morning um, thank God for the cross and what Jesus did pray for relationship with, with Jesus and let God ask that your light will shine brighter so take take, take a moment and pray and let's have communion God bless. thinking and I want to encourage us before we continue worshipping Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 is really stuck in my spirit lately, it was part of my devotional reading and, and it's really got hold of me and I'll talk about that in a moment but I was listening to a prophetic word last night that was brought over our church uh, toward the end of 2014 brought over our church by Ruth Swift. And in essence, the prophetic word was saying that God wants to do something remarkable in and through us as a church. Not for our sake, but for the sake of our city and the sake of many people who don't yet know Jesus. In essence, that's what it was saying. But then the prophetic word carried on and it said, but here's the deal. These are my words. Here's the deal. If you don't get on board with what God's doing, if you don't make yourselves vulnerable to what God's doing, we will stop what He is doing. It was very, very clear. 
came. It was a promise and a warning. This is what I want to do. But hey, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to us as a church. You, you get on board, we're going to see these things happen. If we're holding back, if we're pulling back, if we're restricting what God's doing, we won't see these things happen. It was very clear. Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 is a fascinating scripture. It talks about uh, the Israelites. And it talks about the Israelites, the fact that they never entered into the rest of God or the promised land. I love the Passion Translation. It talks about the fact that they never rested into the calming rest of God. And it says they never entered in because they were disobedient. Why were they disobedient? Because they... They murmured against what God was doing. They wouldn't believe what God, there was unbelief where God was taking them. And can you remember what happened to the Israelites after that point of time? They spent 40 years in the desert. Then what happened? What happened after that? Yeah, talk, feel free to talk. They died. All of them, bar two, died in the desert. And it all became came out of a lack of willingness to believe what God was doing and what God was wanting to do and take it and go with where God was wanting to take them. You carry on, I think it's Hebrews chapter 4, and it talks about the fact that God has the same opportunity for us today as He had for them then. It says it says something like this in the, um, I won't be word for word, but something like this out of the Passion Translation of the Bible. It says God has the same um, opportunity for, a, for us to enter into now. That opportunity is called today. And there's that invitation to step into everything that God has today. We've just got to choose whether we want to or not. Then it carries on and it says, but please don't be like those of old who are disobedient. And it says, they harboured, or it says, they harboured, but then it's talking about the church of the current time. It says, if you harbour sin, and evil in your heart, it will be manifest by lack of response to what God's doing. It really, it's really spoken to me. So I'm thinking, okay, if I'm not responding, if I'm not on the front foot, if I'm not embracing all that God's doing, that is actually a manifestation that I am harboring sin and evil. Actually, sin and evil are the words used. Sin and evil in a corner of my heart somewhere. And I thought this morning it would be really good to plant those seeds before we worship and encourage you to open up before God and expose your heart before God, not for the purpose of, you know, feeling condemned, but for the purpose of feeling released and free to step in all that He's got. And this morning, if you know you're struggling with stuff in your heart that's holding you back, maybe this is the moment where you need to just open before God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. I need help dealing with that. Can we, can we release that now so that I can step forward with a great sense of yes and amen into the promises of God? Because I don't know about you, but I want to see everything take place that God's promised. Life's too short just to, to play a religious game or whatever. I want to see everything that God's promised. And he's promised more than, you know, than I can get my head around. But the choice is ours. But there's a very simple instruction in Scripture. That is, we're obedient. 
as we open our hearts toward Him, as we make sure we are right before Him, allow Him to minister, allow Him to remove the stuff. You can't do it. Allow Him to remove the stuff that needs to be removed. We can step into that place of fullness, that place of freedom, that place of promise, that calming rest that He invites us into today. Is that all right? Why don't you stand and let's worship. Thanks, Kelly.
owe it all to you, Lord. Come on. It's bubbling up on the inside. Let it out. Your worship, your praise, your thanks. You can thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Praise you, Lord. You can inhabit. There's like the space here, and down the back, there's some space, there's some space down here. If you're feeling a bit constricted by your pews, by your seats, come on out. Come on out. I dare you. This phrase, oh God, I'll give you permission. You get to do it. You get to worship your God with abandon this morning. You don't have to worry about the person standing next to you because they're doing the same thing as you. Praising your God and worshiping your God with abandon. We've come to join the song. We've come to join the song. So long before I to raise our voice alone in and earth We've seen your faithful hand. Yes, we have, Lord. Your mercy without end. The King who bled die a God who sacrificed so be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations you are worthy Lord of all and unto
Thank you that you're already here and we welcome you we welcome we say thank you lord that's our desire to be with you this morning praise you lord and worship you lord lord god holy spirit come right now do you want to speak in tongues in this room speak in tongues if you don't speak in english or whatever language you speak in but Let's lift up our spiritual praise to our God. Praise you, Lord. praises. Yeah. 
Father, thank You for heaven on earth. Thank You for Your kingdom, Lord. And we thank You for Jesus. Jesus, we thank You that death could not hold You and the grave could not contain You. You are risen. You're alive forevermore. And we thank You, Lord, and we praise You for Your life is alive in each one of us. And we give You all the glory. We give You all the honour. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Give your neighbour a high five. Thank you, team. Wonderful. They're cool to worship God. Very, very cool. I've um, I watched an interesting TED talk by, presented by a woman by the name of Amy Cuddy, and she was studying the topic of how you how your thinking changes by the way you position your body. And uh, the hypothesis she was working on, if you want to change the way you feel, you need to change the way you think. If you want to change the way you feel, you change the way you think. And so she was testing that. And what she found is that is absolutely not the truth. You change the way you feel by the way you hold your body. It wasn't what she was expecting. And she went through, you can, I encourage you to watch it, and she went through a whole lot of research. And she said, <clears throat> if you go to an interview for a job and sit up straightly and astutely, you release hormones in your body that make you feel good. It only takes two minutes to change the way you feel by the way you hold yourself. She also did the research, if you slump over and hold yourself down like this, that releases hormones in your body, and that changes the way you feel within two minutes. So it made me think about what the Lord says in the Bible about lifting up holy hands. Because God has designed us, and He knows if we get our body in a position, it will change the way we feel, and therefore the way that we respond. And so I believe God is encouraging us today, and I want to encourage you, when you come into this place to worship God, follow the psalmist's imperatives. Lift your hands to heaven. It's changing the way your body is positioned and it will change the way you feel and it will change the openness you feel before God. You try worshiping God like this with your arms crossed. Lord, I love you. I'm here to praise you. And your body and the way you're feeling is going, yeah, right. You say the same thing and you open your hands up. Instantly, you feel different. And so there it is. God knows all about the psychology, the way we're designed and a person called Amy Cuddy comes along and says, well, you change your body position, you change the way you feel. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about that this morning, <clears throat> but I thought I'd put that in all the same. How you doing? <clears throat> doing good? Isn't it good to be in the house of God worshipping Jesus? Isn't it? Yeah, good, good, good. You know, as followers of Christ... We live to glorify God. That's what our life is about, is to live to glorify Him, to enjoy Him forever, as the Westminster Catechism says. And as we live to glorify God, God promises to reward us. And I, one thing I believe of God, His rewards are far greater and far better than what we could even dream or imagine, don't you think? It's the best way to live, for sure, living for the glory of God. And it leads me to this focus that we've been doing this year, which is a great focus, isn't it? on purpose. And our fundamental purpose 
for all of humanity, for every person on the planet, whether they're a Christian or not, we all bear the image of God. And God gives this purpose to every man and woman, every child, is to love Him and love one another. That's it. That's the fundamental purpose, the meaning of life. And if you set your focus, even if you don't understand on it, I'm going to love you, Lord, and I'm going to love others. You will live your best life. Because that is the fundamental purpose of what it's all about. The way that it's expressed for you and I will be very different. But it all is based on that premise, loving God and loving others. Jesus said it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has even made it easier in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there were those laws. Love God, love your neighbor. In the New Testament, Jesus says, as I have loved you, go and love one another. Jesus has empowered us. He's made it easy through his grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to love one another. Isn't that cool? And so what Jesus is really saying is the quality of your relationships is really, really important. And I want you to focus on them. When your relationships are great, life works well. On YouTube, there's a TED Talk by Robert Wauinger, and uh, he's currently the lead researcher for one of the world's longest research studies on happiness. And the, the study's been uh, sponsored by the Harvard University, and it's been going for 75 years. And uh, he is the fourth director of research. He says, um, for somebody to be around for 75 years doing that topic, they're going to be pretty old. So they pass the baton. He's number four, and he'll be passing the baton on to somebody. So they started off 75 years ago, and uh, they studied 724 university students and a group, a, a large but not as large group, of primary school children who came from disadvantaged backgrounds and uh, who were living pretty tough lives. And the purpose of the study was to find out what makes people happy. What makes people happy? And as part of their research, they asked a question to a group of millennials. Those are people born from around 1980 to 2000. And uh, <clears throat> they were asked, what is the most important goal in your life as at this moment? And if I can have the first slide, thanks, Kat. And... 80% of these millennials said, my goal is to get rich. Number one, to get rich. Isn't that interesting? Nothing wrong with money, but that was their purpose, is to get rich. They were then asked another question. So what is the next most important thing in your life? And over 50% of them said, to be famous. Whether that's to be like Mr. Bean or Einstein or a rock star. Their desire was to be famous. And uh, what the research has found, that it doesn't matter whether you're wealthy, whether you're famous, those are not the factors that make your life happy. What they found as they went through the tens of thousands of pages of research, which includes going through questions, looking at doctor's records, doing blood samples from them every year, and even now, every year, they do brain scans. What they found made the biggest difference for people's happiness was the quality of their relationships. 
loving God, loving people, the quality of their relationships, their marriage relationships, their close friendships, their social connections, be it church or other clubs or organizations. These were the things that made the difference for the quality of people's lives. What they found that it wasn't a matter of their wealth, it wasn't a matter of their fame, nor their intelligence, it was about their relationships. <clears throat> and they found that people that were in the healthiest relationships at age 50 were physically healthiest at age 80. Not only were they physically healthy, their brains were the healthiest. So relationships certainly have a big bearing. Of course, when relationships are dysfunctional, it can be hell on earth. Spouses can become irritated or agitated. You just have to ask Wendy. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, of course. That's about me, not about her. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I thought I'd better clarify that. Um, work relationships can become toxic and certainly output can be significantly reduced. So relationships and our relationships with one another are vital to living the lives that God wants us to do. So God's way to loving one another is about building quality relationships with one another. And there are many different relationships that we're involved in. And one of the relationships that we are all involved in is in the area of leadership. Either we serve leaders or we are leaders or we're emerging leaders. And as Bill Hybel says, we are all leaders of self. And that's possibly the most difficult area of leadership. So this morning, I want to talk about what is the next step you need to take in leadership. What is the next step you need to take in leadership? God has another step for you. God has another step for Pastor Trevor. Trevor has many stories of the steps that he's taking, but there's another one that God has for him. It's a good one. It's a prosperous one. God has many steps ahead of Sarah and Reese. God has a next step. God has a next step for MJ. God has a next step for Byron. God has a next step for every one of us. It's going to look different, but there's a next step. And this morning, I want to share some of the biblical principles of leadership with you to empower you, particularly in your place of work, to be a next step leader. Who wants to be a next step leader? I do. I trust you all do. I trust that every one of you realize that whether you're aware or not, you are expressing leadership and God wants you to do well at it. So next step, taking the next step. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. We'll see how much we get through. Hopefully we'll get through it. Several weeks ago, we held a school of leadership. Who was there? It was great, wasn't it? It was really, really good. And on the 11th of July, we're starting our next one. If you weren't at the first one, that's okay. I encourage you all to be at the second one. It's going to be really good. It will really equip you and empower you in your place of work at home to make a difference to be like Jesus on earth. Isn't that good? And who wants to express Jesus in their workplace? We need to be doing that. We certainly do. So I really encourage you to come along and be part of that. So here's a, a key scripture I want to share with you this morning. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. 
Isn't that a lovely picture of a library? Don't you like it? I love libraries. Sheridan doesn't, but I love libraries. And uh, we joke about, in heaven, I've asked the Lord, can I have the keys to the library in heaven? And uh, Sheridan's going to be watching the movies. He's got the movie theater. I said, Lord, I want the keys to the library because I love libraries. I really, really enjoy. And you know, our lives, the scripture says that God has written our lives in a book. I was just thinking about Pastor Sheridan's book. I wonder if it's pretty thin, but... (laughs) No, I'm only teasing. His is really, really big. It's got really big print. No, no. (laughs) Sheridan's got a really big book, and all of us have got really big books that God has written in them the things that he's ordained in advance for us to do. And you know in these books, what, I, what God has written for my life is different what he's written for your life. But God has been on purpose writing something for the story of your life. And he wants to live his story through you. And he's written about it in a book. And every day, you have the opportunity to step into his story. To take the next step of the story of Jesus in your life at your workplace to make a difference for Jesus. Isn't that good? It's a beautiful book. Looks really good on the outside, but it's much better on the inside. And Ephesians 2.10, which you know, Pastor Sheridan has shared earlier in the year, is God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. In this book are these good works that you and I have the invitation from the Lord to step in and participate in them. Isn't that cool? And so I want to really encourage you that we are a church who take the next step. We're a church that press into it because God has written it for us and he wants us to live in that place. It has quality relationships. It has excitement. It has challenges. It has frustrations. But it's the best place to be when you're living what God has written for you and for me. So what does the Bible say about leadership? Or what is biblical leadership? That's what I want to look at today. What is biblical leadership? And how do I express biblical leadership? There's a lovely story of a young New Zealander. I don't know whether he's a Christian or not. But in my mind, he's expressing biblical leadership. In the Christchurch earthquakes in 2010 and 11, he was a 21-year-old university student called Sam Johnson. There he is. Sam set up. He stepped out. And I believe the Lord had this written in his book. And Sam had the opportunity, I'm going to take the next step and step into what God has for me. And he may not be a Christian, but God has a book for everyone. And here is is Sam. He sees this great need. And so he goes onto Facebook, 21 years of age. First day, 250 people join him. At the height of their work in the student volunteer army, there are 13,000 students and other young people on the streets of Christchurch shoveling liquefaction. Isn't that awesome? Because he took the next step. Look at the values. He had courage. He was big-hearted. He was purposed. He was focused. I'm not sure if he was kingdom-focused, but he was focused and he built a sense of belonging. He owned those values and took a next step and expressed leadership. Isn't that cool? 
And every one of us, as we live by those values, are expressing leadership. I think it's fantastic. Even uh, Hillary Clinton came and visited Sam. She was so impressed. I don't know if she came specially for him, but when she was in New Zealand in 2011, he met with her. Prince William was so impressed with Sam and his team that he met with them also. Isn't that awesome? And so he travels around the world helping other universities build uh, student um, volunteer armies. And I just think it's absolutely fantastic uh, what he is doing. So what is biblical leadership? At its fundamental grassroots definition, it means this. Well, there's a picture before we get to it. I'm just going to skip through these. Whoops. It means to act. It means to stand up. It means to step out. It means to take action. A great example of somebody standing up, stepping out this morning was Caleb as he led us in worship. And as a person steps up, stands out, this is what happens. They intentionally influence for good. A growing sphere of influence grows and develops as they continue to step up and step out. And the good news about this is that anybody can step up and step out. doesn't matter where you are, you might think, I might have to be a CEO of a company. You don't. In your workplace tomorrow, there will be something that you need to step up and step out and step into. It might be addressing an issue, or it might be taking an innovative opportunity to make an improvement, having an influence for good. Isn't that great? This is what biblical um, leadership isn't. If you were in the time of Abraham going around the deserts and came to the country of Egypt, Egypt and its culture expressed leadership this way. They had these big structures, pyramids. Some of you may have seen them. Some of you actually may have been there. These are symbols of power. And the, the, the message they're giving is that power is held by few to be exercised over many. That is why they had these big structures. Even in Mesotopia, um, they had ziggurats, these temple structures, which are the same sort of thing. These are symbols of power that is held by the few to be exercised over the many. Is that the way it is in Hebrew or early um, in terms of the people of Israel and their culture? There are no big buildings. There are no big structures. Their most famous structure, which goes through all of Scripture, is the lampstand. It's called the menorah. And you'll find it from the beginning of Scripture all the way into the book of Revelations. This is the picture of biblical leadership. Imagine you are the stand. And what you do, you lift others up so their light might shine. That's what biblical leadership is. So my role in that picture is to lift everyone up. Your role is to do the same. So we can shine the light of Christ in us. A structure like that will suck life. It will suffocate. A structure like that releases. And that's what biblical leadership does, is release others. Authority is not only over people to protect and provide security. It's under 
to light them up to be all that God has given them to be. And so I want to encourage you, go and be all that God has called you to be. I'll say it this way. I hope you're listening really carefully. Do not stop short of being all that God has called you to be. Today is the step, this, take this next step to be all that God has called you to be. And if everyone take this, takes this role of we are the stand that lifts others up, what a place that is to release others that we can be that God has called us to be. Just going back to the pencils, I like those. Isn't that, doesn't that look sharp? That's what you are. One who stands out, expressing your giftedness and graciousness. I want to encourage you in the workplace tomorrow, what is the next step you need to take to express biblical leadership? You know what it is. For some, it might be addressing an issue. For some, it might be taking initiative. For others, it might be saying to somebody, hey, can we just go out for a coffee? I want to really encourage you and give you just appreciate for what you've done, whatever it might be. Jesus said it this way. <clears throat> Jesus called them together, that's the disciples, and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them. That's those big structures. That's the imagery that Jesus is refer referring to. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must become your slave. Jesus is saying there's a characteristic that sits behind this. If you want to be effective in serving others, here's the critical attitude you must embrace. It's humility. It is humility. If you look through all the, the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New, Moses was described as the meekest, the most humble man on the earth. Humility is the attitude. It's not weakness. It's truthfulness. It's been submitted to God. That's the attitude that Jesus is saying. And it's there to lift others up. Isn't that cool? Great. Here's what it says in, in Romans 12.10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Isn't that good? Take delight in honoring each other each other. Here's the other thing about biblical leadership. It's not religious. It's based on relationship. Here's what religion does. It says you must follow these rules and these regulations. It's all up to what you do. But relationship with Christ is not like that at all. The space is freedom. It's all about what he has done and his grace to empower us, what he's called us to do. It's a very different place. And isn't it so much healthier to live in a relationship that values relationship over religion? I don't want us to be a religious people. I want us to be a people that are full of relationship with God and with one another. A relationship mindset is a resting mindset. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward 
for the good things you have done so none of us can boast about it. A resting mindset means I work from a place of rest in Jesus. Just imagine going to work tomorrow, making this decision, this next step I'm going to take. I'm going to work from rest. I'm going to work from a place of rest. I'm going to work from a place knowing that Jesus is with me and empowered me. Whether it's in the factory, the office, the classroom, whatever it is, I am going to work from rest. Wouldn't that be refreshing for our workmates? Wouldn't it be refreshing for ourselves as well? The next step, working from rest. And here's what I want to encourage you, that your work is worship to God. Your work is worship to God. Your leadership is worship to God. And he invites us in our workplaces tomorrow or through the week and the weeks that are ahead to express our worship to him right there. You know, God loves engineers because God loves engineering. God loves artists because he loves art. God loves business people because he loves business. God loves lawyers because he loves law. God loves teachers, educators, trainers, because God loves education. Why does God love all of these things? Because all work is meaningful, and meaningful work is an expression of worship to God. So when you're out at the workplace this coming week, can I encourage you? See your work as an opportunity. See your work as a place I'm worshiping God here. That's what I'm doing. I'm being like Jesus, expressing worship. Isn't that cool? So I want to talk about a few aspects of how to take <clears throat> biblical leadership. We've talked about what it means, how to express it. The first part to expressing leadership is about taking responsibility. In our society, we live in a pretty entitled society where people are very quick to push aside responsibility, to blame others. But as a church, as you and your workplaces, can I encourage you to be people that take responsibility? To take the next step means I take responsibility. <clears throat> in the story of Adam and Eve, in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, God confronts Adam about <clears throat> eating of the forbidden fruit what does Adam do? He blames Eve. What does Eve do? She blames the serpent. And it continues on with Cain and Abel. As Cain kills Abel, the Lord confronts Cain. And Cain responds, am I my brother's keeper? There's just this pushing away of responsibility. But leadership, maybe your next step starts by saying, I take responsibility. What I'm not saying, I take responsibility in separation with God, no, it's I take responsibility with God's power leading and guiding me. I'm going to be responsive to act and step out the way that God wants me to do. I just want to pray into that right now. Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your heads and just feel to do that. Father, I thank you for the capacity you have for each one of us to respond, to step out. And in our places of work this coming week, Father, I pray we won't be the people that complain and pull back. But we will be the people who respond in the spirit of grace. 
Lord, respond as you would have us to respond. Lord, to own our voice, to speak our voice, to step into the areas that you've written long ago that we should step in. And I pray we will not be people of fear, but we'll be people of courage that step into what you have for us. So, Lord, I pray upon every one of us that we will own the responsibility that you've laid at our feet. We'll carry it lightly, knowing that you're with us. Help us be responsible. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. So we take responsibility. It's an important thing. The alternative is, it's complaining and that doesn't change anything. So being responsible. And it's a thing throughout all the scriptures. In the book of Daniel, we read, Then the other administrators in high Officials began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, here it goes, always responsible. That tells me that Daniel wasn't a blamer. He wasn't a complainer. He said, I will put my hand up. I will step out and step up. I am taking responsibility to express leadership wherever I am. I will act to make a difference, to bring heaven to earth. And in Galatians 6.5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. One of the beautiful things in Scripture, and one of the beautiful things that Jesus invites us to is to express our responsibility through serving others, to express our love for others, to express relationship by serving other people. Tomorrow in your workplace, you have the responsibility and the opportunity to serve others around you. You have the responsibility and the opportunity to lift others up. It's a very powerful position to be in because you choose how you serve You choose the level of responsibility you take. You choose how much energy you put into service, how much enthusiasm you put into your work, how much um, diligence you put into it. You choose that. It's a powerful position, isn't it? And you can do it really, really well for the glory of God. And the way you do that is shaped in part by your personality type, by your passions, by your giftedness. If your passion is teaching or IT or commercial enterprise or sports or media, be amazing at it. Be absolutely amazing at it this coming week and the weeks that follow. Isn't that just beautiful? You choose how you serve and the willingness that you, um, I guess, well, the willingness that you invite God to be part of that with you. Martin Luther said this, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Isn't that awesome? Here's the other thing about leadership. It takes responsibility. It works with others. It doesn't try and do it all by itself. One of the things I love um, at Activate here, the, the, the team know that I say this often, I'm all about V8 teams. A V8 team, it looks good, it sounds good, it runs good, it smells good. Did I say it looks good? 
It's smelling good. I won't say it tastes good, but it probably does. They are awesome. A V8 machine, it's got some grunt. It's got some power. It's got the ability to make a difference. And all the teams that activate, whether it's in creative, whether it's in kids, I say, come on, let's be V8. Great at what we're doing. I want to say to you in your workplace, take this analogy if you want to. Be a V8 in your workplace. Be a V8 teams. You're part of teams. You lead teams, some of you. Make them V8 teams. They look good, smell good, run good. It's great. I think of um, the America's Cup. You know, great result today, isn't it? Two wins. And I think about Team New Zealand and where they were in the last campaign. Pretty discouraged after being 8-1 ahead and to lose. You could just imagine the, the soul-searching that would have gone on after that. Pretty tough stuff. But here they are again, working as team. And they're going for gold. It's good to see, isn't it? They're a V8. In fact, I'd say they're Formula One, I think, wouldn't you, Trevor? They're Formula One. I mean, if you don't like V8, go for Formula One teams. Go for Team New Zealand teams. They hit the mark. Here's the thing. There's only two times in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, where it says it's not good. The first time is when God said to Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. And hence, he is created. The other time is in the book of Exodus, chapter 18, verse 17. And uh, this is the story of Jethro, uh, Moses' father-in-law. And he says, uh, he observes Moses leading alone, working incredibly hard. And this is what Jethro says to him. It's the second time it's not good is in the Torah. What you are doing is not good. We are not designed to live. We're not designed to lead. We're not designed to function in isolation. What Jethro was saying is, Moses, you need to build a team. And he responds and does so. And so you can look throughout <clears throat> Moses' leadership from there on in, in the Old Testament. And there's three functions of leadership that are expressed, team leadership. Moses... He was close to God. Aaron was close to people. Miriam led the woman and supported her brothers. In summary of that, three roles for you and I. Called to be kings, leaders in the marketplace, where many of you are. And I want to encourage you, take the next step of leadership. Take responsibility. Build teams. Be great team players at what you're doing. There's priests. We are all called, every one of us, to be a kingdom of priests. And there's prophets, those that bring inspired visionary leadership and direction. Leaders, good leaders, work with others that are stronger than they are in certain areas because no one person has all the capacity or all the ability. The next point to express biblical leadership is work with a clear vision. Moses didn't start leading until he had the experience of the burning bush. He had that first. There it was. It was written in the book of Moses' life. The day arrived when a God encounter, he had the burning bush experience. 
to free the people of Israel from slavery, to lead them out of Egypt and lead them into the promised land. That was the vision he had. God gave to um, Joseph dreams, to Jacob a ladder going to heaven, to Nehemiah building the walls of a city, to Jesus saving us. He has given you a vision. He's given you a picture. It's written in his book of your life. And if you're not sure about that, can I encourage you, if you use your giftedness, your passions, and ask God to reveal it, he will. <clears throat> Here's my story about that. I was working in the plastics industry. This was years ago in senior management. And over a period of four years, I knew God wanted me to serve in ministry. And I was going, this is honestly how I felt. Um, Lord, I can't afford to do that. Can't afford, not enough money. And I remember over a period of four years, I was, I was working in a great company. It was a great business. And over that period of time, I was becoming more and more frustrated and just uh, at angst about my place of work. There was nothing wrong with the workplace. It was all me. And one night, I closed the door of my office, and I went home to Wendy, and I said, I'm never going back. And she said, oh, you can't do that. Who's going to pay the money to feed us and pay the mortgage? Okay, I'll go back. I'll go back. But I stayed and it just, the frustration within me just became more and more until I finally went and saw my doctor. I had just pain. I had a, um, a spasm of my esophagus and he said, you're under really high stress. You're going to have to change what you're doing at work. And I knew it wasn't the workplace. I was going, God was getting me or wanting me out into a new place. And around that time, Pastor Nick said, can I have a coffee? And I said, okay, we can have coffee. It's always good to have coffee, isn't it? Always up, I'm always up for a coffee. <laughs> and, um, and so we spoke. One thing led to another, and I found myself serving at church. The moment I said yes to that, the moment I took the next step, stepped out of where I was and into what God wanted, what he had written in my book, that frustration instantly left me. This is the honest truth. I have never had it back since. And I don't think I would have moved on if God hadn't moved me out. And sometimes he has to do that. Proverbs 28, 18 says, Without a vision, the people perish. It is so important that we find what God has for us. Here's the thing I love. In the story of creation, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the earth. It's formless. It's dark. There's nothing happening. But Jesus has a picture of what it's going to look like. It's going to be this beautiful planet, teeming with fish, mountains and rivers, trees, animals, horses and cows and pigs and all sorts of things like that. And finally, the crowning glory of people. God had a picture. God gives you and I a picture, but it starts off as formless. And the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to speak and declare over it. And like God said, let there be, He is waiting for you to say, let it be. Let me be all that you've called me to be. Let me be the greatest teacher in the Waikato. Why not? Let me be the person that serves um, in, in the sports arena. Whatever it might be, 
Let it be. Those words are in your mouth and the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to align with them and declare them over your life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that absolutely wonderful? So three points to conclude on. Be intentional about building relationships, great relationships, based on sound leadership principles of taking responsibility, of lifting others up, of working as a team, of working from a clear vision. Be intentional about today. We don't live in yesterday. None of us can change what happened yesterday. But today, we can all step out and step into what God has for us. Today is the day. Now is the moment. Tomorrow will be your day in your workplace to step into and express biblical leadership, being like Jesus. Let's be a yes today, people. And live empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I love what Caleb shared last week about the breath of God. God breathes into us that, he might, that we might breathe out the praises of God. To receive the breath of somebody, you need to be close to them. To receive the breath of God, you need to be close to Him. He wants to breathe into you that you can breathe out his praises. He wants to breathe in his life, so in your workplace, you can bring his life to it. He wants to bring into, breathe into you stamina and responsibility so you can shine like Jesus in your place of work. And I conclude with this. Psalm 139 that I read at the very beginning was written by David. And Luke, the writer of Acts, says David served God's purpose in his own generation. There's a book written about David. And Luke says, by the Spirit of God, he lived the purposes of God in his generation. He lived that by taking the next step at every opportunity of expressing biblical leadership. Did he get it right every time? No. But it says of him, he was a friend of God. Had a heart after God like no one else in his generation. He breathed in God. He took responsibility. He worked with teams. He had a clear vision. And it says of him, he served God's purpose in his generation. Isn't that wonderful? God has a purpose. It's loving one another. It's loving him. It's common for all of us. It's quality relationships. But God's purpose is also uniquely flavored, and it's written in your book so you can live your best life and glorify God in all that we do. So go into this week knowing that God is with you, taking leadership and expressing it God's way. God bless you. Have an awesome rest of the day. Great word, eh? Hey, Ray, just out of interest, are you under any less pressure now than you were when you, um, or stress now than you were when you had the spasm thing?
Yeah, so it's different, but you're under no less pressure. Yeah, yeah, interesting, eh? About being in the right place at the right time, doing what you're supposed to do. Well, can I invite you to stand? Thank you for being purposed in your giving. Remember, the giving stations are on your left as you walk out. Please get signed up for School of the Spirit before you leave. It is the last day today, and uh, that would be fantastic. And pick up your kids. Let me commission you. Father, I thank you for your church. And Father, I commission them in the name of Jesus. I commission us in the name of Jesus to go out into all the world this week and wherever we are and whenever we're there, that we would be like Jesus. And Lord, that we would uh, call on some of these words we've heard today to empower us and strengthen us and encourage us to, to step into everything that you have written for us, that our books may be full. In Jesus' name. Father, I declare your blessing over your church. Let your church be healthy. Let your church be known for great relationships. Let your church be known uh, for prospering and have everything they we require to do the work you've asked us to do. So let us go into this week confidently, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming out this morning. Have a fantastic uh week, rest of your week. Can I remind you that next week we have John Kens with us in the morning from uh, Melbourne and then in the evening we've got Daz Chittle with us from Christchurch. So, and tonight is Tim Marsden, one of our elders. Have a great day. <laughs>